We thank you today that you are incredible. God, we just ask God today that you would move in all your might and in all your power. God, we yield our lives to you. Come on, just take your hands and just open them up to God right now. God, we yield our hands to you, God, right now. God, we yield our lives to you. We say, come Holy Spirit, touch us today. Those needs that we need. God, we're yielding to you, God, the one who can meet our every need. We're yielding to you, the one that DJ spoke about that has more than enough for each one of our lives. And by faith, we say our healing's coming. By faith, we say our breakthroughs are here. By faith, we say enough is enough, devil. You've messed with us long enough. This is our day. This is our new beginning. This is our opportunity. And we are stepping into it with boldness and faith in you, in Jesus' name. Come on, if you believe that, shout amen in the hand. Come on, if you believe that, high five someone around you. Come on, just high five them and say, today's your day. Today's your moment. God's going to touch your life. We are so glad that you are here with us today. What an incredible series that we have had, Be the Change. Some people have said, Pastor, I like those shirts. Great. You can buy one. They're only $79. We have them on sale today. At the back there, um, for $15, you can get one, $12, I believe, for the kids' sizes. Just a great opportunity for you. We're going to be ordering them on Tuesday. So today is the last day to order and pay for them. So please order those and pay for them. But what a great month it's been as we've been the change, as we've been looking for God to do great work in our lives. But we really believe that these 21 days are a new foundation that's been laid for our life. We haven't made the end. We haven't reached the finish line and said, wow, we made it. This is just the beginning. We've just laid the foundation of what God is going to do. And we want Be The Change to be the slogan for your life from now on. That when you're having problems at work, you can throw your hands in the air and say, I'm going to be the change. Instead of complaining about your boss, be the change. Come on. In your marriage, you may say things aren't going well and my wife or my husband's not treating me right. Well, guess what? Be the change in your home. Stop complaining. Well, my finances aren't. Well, be the change. Stop paying your tithes. Stop being a good steward with what God has given you and you will be absolutely amazed of what will happen in your life ongoing. Come on, as you have a positive onlook or outlook on life, you're going to be amazed at the results. You're going to see, oh, I don't know. Be the change. Be the change. 
And I love the story of Daniel. I think Daniel's an incredible guy. I've got to say this, maybe next to David, he's maybe my favorite guy now in the Bible. I've just loved studying about Daniel throughout this month. And I pray that you've read the book of Daniel, at least the first six chapters. The last one's kind of a little bit tough as he is, he is presenting the end times and, and things that's going to happen. But you need to read that. If you haven't read it, I still encourage you to do it because there's so much we could talk about when it comes to his commitment and his standards and the way that he lived his life. But also the tests that he went through. We can learn so much of what he went through in his life. Daniel didn't even have to go looking for tests. They found him. They came knocking on his door. The opportunities were there every day. But every time a test came, he was prepared. Because he lived prepared. You've got to listen to the messages. If you missed it, catch up. Play catch up. Because you need to hear what has been said. Living prepared. We see in Daniel chapter 4, last week we left Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego. They got out of the fire. God delivered them. Come on, God came through for them. And God worked an incredible miracle. Then we go into Daniel chapter 4. We see the king had another dream. Daniel interprets that dream. God blesses Daniel's life and he sees blessing. Then we go into chapter 5. We see a new king. King Belshazzar comes and he has a feast and and he thinks, I'm going to do this. I'm going to proclaim the fact of how great I am. And he takes all the articles from the temple, that which he has stolen, the cups and the bowls and the basins and everything that was consecrated for God. He took those and he desecrated them by drinking out of them, by eating out of them. And really he was making a statement, I'm the God. I'm the true God. I'm God. Let me show you, God, who I am. I'm God. And in the middle of this celebration, a finger appeared and began to write four words on a wall. How many think you'd be pretty freaked out if that happened? Come on, it wasn't a small finger. I I bet that thing was massive. Come on now. The kids always laugh at my hands, so I've got chunky fingers. My fingers are nothing compared to that finger that wrote on the wall. The words were probably as big, I would say, as those words. Everyone in the house saw it. Meeny, meeny, tackle, taken or whatever, tackle up Harsins was what was written. Four words. The king freaks out. What's the meaning? He turns to everyone in the house and says, would you help me? What is it? None there could answer the king. But look what it says in Daniel 5 verse 10. Then the queen, because of the words of the kings and his lords, came to the banquet hall and the queen spoke saying, O king, live forever. She says, don't let your thoughts trouble you. Don't let your countenance change because there is a man. I love that. There is a woman. There is a man. There is God's man, God's woman who has been strategically placed in your kingdom in whom the spirit or in whom has the spirit of the holy God. Come on. There was an excellent spirit that was inside of Daniel so that he could help. Listen, there was the spirit of God that was inside him. How incredible would it be to be known as the go-to guy? The queen said, don't worry, there's someone we can go to. When you're in worried and you're stressed out, I know a man. I know someone that we can turn to. How awesome would it be for us to be known as that? Come on, when there's a need at work and the boss doesn't know what to go do, he knows who he can come to. Come on, he knows the hardest worker, the most faithful person. Come on, the one with the greatest integrity. He knows the one that can make it happen. That's you, that's me, or it should be you and me. What about being that type of go-to person? How incredible, how incredible. It shouldn't be 1-800-psychic-hotline. 
Come on, it shouldn't be every other thing that we turn to. It should be, I'm going to go to them because I know they're going to pray and I know they know God and God's going to answer and God's going to give them. Come on, we've got to be that go-to guy. We're going to be watching the, the Super Bowl tonight. We're going to be watching the Denver Broncos kick the... Seattle Seahawks. We're going to see them handle business tonight. But you know what they say? There is always a go-to receiver. Have you seen that? Fourth down, when they need a first down, there's a go-to guy. And they'll always say, oh, that's Peyton Manning's go-to guy. Or they'll say, that's this person's go-to guy. Jimmy Graham, that's his go-to guy or whatever it may be. You know what? I want us to be God's go-to guy. I want us to be God's go-to man. When there's problems in the kingdom, we have the answer. Come on, help me preach in the house. Come on, we've got a home field advantage here today. Come on, this is home field. Come on, we've got the advantage. Come on, I want to be the go-to guy that has the answers. And why? Because there's excellence, there's a power. God lives inside of me. I can't be the go-to guy if it's just about me. But when it's all about him, come on, he'll be lifted up. He said, if I be lifted up, I'll draw. Oh man, I will do a work in your life. Help us, God. This is just the introduction. John said it on Monday night. If you were here Monday night, John talked about being a must-have leader. And talked about someone that others could not survive without. I want to be that. Come on, I want to be that. I want to be that. But here's where I want to land the series today. At the passage of scripture we've been using for our theme scripture. Turn with me to Daniel chapter 6. We're going to read verse 1 through 3. It's going to be on the screen. Um, If you can read it, that would be fantastic. And that's good along. Daniel chapter 6 verse 1 says, It pleased Darius. Here's another new king. The third king that... Daniel has had to deal with. He set over his kingdom 120 satraps, that's just governors, leaders, to be over the whole kingdom. And over the 120, he set three governors, of whom Daniel was one of them, that all the leaders might give account to them so that the king would not suffer loss. Daniel was placed in a very important position. They managed and handled the affairs of the whole kingdom, that the king would not lose anything. Verse 3, then this Daniel... Then this Philip, come on, then this Misty, come on, then this Kristen, then this Pete, then this, come on, Jason, then this Daniel distinguished himself above all the rest because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king gave thought to set him over the whole realm. That caused problems for Daniel, that he was so excellent, that he was so great, and the king loved him, and the king wanted to promote him. It caused him problems. And there's a reason why this verse right here is recorded like this. It's not just for us to recap his life like we've done. We've gone through the life of Daniel and we've seen everything and we can say amen to the fact he had an excellent spirit. But this verse is not recorded again just as reference back. But this verse is recorded today to show than what was now going to happen and what was going to bring him through this now present need. Come on, this was setting the scene for the final showdown. Say with me, the final test. The final test that he was going. We were told, or have been told, the type of person Daniel was and is, because guess what, that type of person was now going to come under extreme attack. He was going to come under the ultimate test. Let's read on, Daniel chapter 6, verse 4 and on. It says, So the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel concerning the kingdom. 
but they could find no charge or fault. One translation says they couldn't even find anything to criticize. How incredible. Because he was faithful, nor was there any error or fault found in him. Another translation says he was always honest and he was always responsible. Verse 5, then these men said, you see they had a plan. They said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless, say with me, unless. Unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. New Living Translation says this, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the requirements of his religion. In the way he serves God, in what he does in his life towards God, that's the only way we can find fault. And you've got to understand, the fault they were talking about wasn't the fact that he didn't serve God. The fault wasn't the fact that he was a weak Christian, that he didn't pray, that he didn't trust God. That wasn't the fault they were talking about. But the fault they were talking about was the opportunity that they knew they could nail him with. They could trap him with. You see, they already knew what Daniel was going to do before they even made the law. Think about that. They already knew what he was going to do. I wonder if that could be said about you and I's life, that the only fault that people could find was in the way that we live for God. How incredible would that be? They hated Daniel because they couldn't touch him. Nothing they did. Everything they maybe did. What's that Candy Crush? Anyone play Candy Crush on your phone? Well, they, were, they thought they were the champions till they went into work the next day. And they said to Daniel, man, I've got 10,559 points. And Daniel just looks at him, rolls his eyes and says, man, 100,000 I have. Everything Daniel did, he excelled. Everything he did, God blessed him. No matter what they did, he was a cut above the rest because God was with him. Everything he touched prospered. Everything he did was blessed. That's living for God. That's what needs to happen in every one of our lives. Now I know you're thinking, I thought this was a healing service. How is this relevant to my need? Stay with me, trust me, we're going somewhere with purpose. We're going somewhere today. So they go to the king. Let's read it if we could, verse 6 through 9. They go to the king. So the governors, the satraps, they thronged the king. They pressed in on the king and they said to him, King Darius, live forever. They're sucking up right now. And they said, all the governors, all the leaders of the kingdom have gathered together and we have consulted to establish a royal statue and we want you to make a firm decree that whoever petitions any other God or any other man, whoever prays to any other God or any other man for 30 days except you, O king, shall be cast in to the den of lions. Next verse. And now, O king, establish this decree and sign the writing." So that it cannot be changed according to the law of the Meds and the Persians, which does not alter. Therefore, King Darius signed that written decree. He signed the decree. They said, King, how about for the next 30 days that everyone prays to you? But remember this, it was more than about the king. It really wasn't anything about the king. They were just trying to eliminate their number one threat. And they were using the king as a means to remove Daniel. 
Of course the king loves the idea. He signs the law that cannot be changed. The the laws of the Meds and Persians meant that after it was stamped with the royal signet, with the royal approval, even the king or the queen themselves could not change. It was irrevocable. It was as it said it was. And Daniel knows all of this firsthand. He knows the implications. He knows the possible outcomes. He knows what will happen if he doesn't obey the king. But yet Daniel also knows something else. He knows he serves a higher king. He knows there's a higher power in his life. Come on, they talk about a higher power. That's Jesus. Come on, that's Jesus. He serves the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And who would he choose to follow? Read verse 10. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. It's almost like he goes straight home. I don't know if he does. I don't know if there's a period of time. But it's almost like he goes home. Whether how long it takes, he goes home. And what does he do? He goes in his upper room. He doesn't find the basement. He doesn't find a hidden hidden area. He goes up on the top of his house. He opens his windows up towards Jerusalem. He kneels down on his, he kneels down on his knees, not just once, not just twice, but three times. Come on, during that day. And he prayed and he gave thanks before his God. But notice this, as was his custom since the early days. What did Daniel do? He did what he had always done. He prayed because that's what he had always done. Why was he able to make it through so much? Because he prayed. He sought God. He was on his knees. He didn't care how busy he was. He had his time with God. He prioritized that time with God and spending that time. And I believe that day when he hit his knees, he said, God, if I've ever needed you, God, I need you right now. You know what's accused against me. You know the trap that these people have. But God, I put my life in your hands. I trust in you. You haven't let me down thus far. And God, you're not about to let me down now. Daniel's not doing this as an act of defiance. Listen to me. But as an act of sacrifice and surrender. He's not defiantly disobeying. He's sacrificing and surrendering his life again to his God. To the one he serves. He just continues to serve God like he's always done. You know, I think that could be a major problem for many of us. That we continue serving God the way we've always done. Because I think at best, many of us really don't serve God. Wow, talk about quiet. You see... Being a Christian is more than wearing a title. Being a Christian is more than saying I go to church. Could have shocked you with this one. Being a Christian is more than saying I pay my tithes. Being a Christian is more than shouting amen when pastor preaches. You see, at best, most of our lives really don't serve God because what happens is we pick and choose when it's convenient for us how we want to serve God. You know, if you've got any ideas of how to serve God, you better make sure it's how he says you need to serve God because you don't have to question how you need to live for God because it's all written here in black and white and red and the red ones you better really take note of because Jesus spoke those personally. I know God breathed every word of his Bible, but let me tell you something. You've got to 
live that life. You can't pick and choose. You see, if a law was passed today that we couldn't pray and we couldn't serve God, most of us wouldn't even know a change in our lives. Ouch, help us Jesus, watch out. Come on, there should be a major decision that we would have to face and say, what are we going to do? But really, we should already know the answer. God, you're my higher power. You're the one I serve. You're the one I live for. You're the one I trust in and I'm going to live for you. Daniel did what he always had done because he had a daily relationship with God. And when Daniel hits his knees and begins to pray, they were waiting for him. Oh, they were waiting. Look what it says, verse 11. And these men had assembled. (laughs) They were ready. They were assembled. They had their phones ready to snap a picture. They were ready to post it on Instagram, Facebook. They were going to put it everywhere they could. They were ready. Come on. They assembled. And guess what? Wow, they found Daniel praying. Do you think they were shocked? No, they weren't. They assembled because they knew what he was going to do. But notice Daniel wasn't just praying, he was making supplication for God. You know what he was doing? He was crying out to God for help. He was crying out. You see, supplication is prayer on steroids. Come on, it's going another level. It's not just saying, now I lay me down to sleep. I pray the Lord my soul to keep. And if I die before I wake, I pray the Lord my soul to take. Supplication is saying, God, if you don't save my kids, they're going to be lost. God, if you don't heal my body, I'm going to die. God, if you don't come through, I don't have the money to pay the bills. Come on, that's supplication. That's crying out to God. They already knew what he was going to do. After all, that's why they passed the law, because they knew his commitment to God was greater than anything else. Wow, I could preach that for so long, but can't. Move on. So they run to the king to tattle, tattletales. Anyone like tattletales here? Come on. Ah, king, guess what happened? Look what they said in, in Daniel 6 verse 12. Here they are. And they went before the king and they said to the king, have you not? Notice how they go to the king. I love it. Um, king, um, just, just help us. Just, just hook us up a little bit. We're kind of struggling with, did you not pass a law? Did you not make a decree that anyone who would pray within the next 30 days to anyone except you would be cast into the lion's den? I mean, king, didn't you pass something like that? I'm, I'm sure I remember you doing something like that. And the king answered and said, the thing is true. According to the law of the Meds and the Persians, which does not alter. Read on. What does it say? So they answered and said before the king, um, that Daniel, you know, Daniel, your buddy, the number one guy, your bud, you know, the one that you think is the bee's knees, the one that you think had a guess what? He does not show. Notice how they address Daniel too. They don't even address Daniel by his title. Because he was over every one of them. What do they say? That captive from Judah. That slave guy. He has no business to even be here. That guy. The hatred they had towards him. Does not show due regard for you, O king. For the decree that you have signed. But makes his petition three times a day. Did you not make a law? We thought so, but Daniel doesn't abide by it. The king immediately knows what they've done. The king immediately knows what he's done because when he heard these words, verse 14, he was greatly displeased within himself and he set his heart on Daniel. The king knew straight away what the whole idea of this law was, was to trap Daniel. The king knew all about this and his heart is grieved. Why? The Bible says he labored till the going down of the sun to what? To deliver Daniel. 
please note this. This is the third king Daniel served. He hasn't served this king for long. But he served this king long enough for the king to know the commitment he has to his God. He has served this king long enough that the excellence of God inside of him has been seen. He wasn't an undercover agent that had to find a phone booth to become a Christian. The king wasn't surprised when they identified Daniel because I believe he knew that there was something greater in Daniel's heart. And what does the king, what did they go on to say? Then these men approached the king at the end of the day and they said, King, you know you've made a law that cannot be changed. You've got to abide by it. You've got to see it through. Look what the king says in the next verse, verse 16. So the king gave a command. And they brought Daniel out and they cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke to Daniel. The king said to Daniel, your God, I love this, whom you serve continually. Notice even the king knew that he continually served God. Daniel wasn't ashamed of who he was. Oh, he was faithful in his business because he was promoted. Come on. He wasn't reading his Bible when he was supposed to be doing his work. Come on. He wasn't showing up late for work. He was the hardest worker. He was handling his business, but the king also knew the God that he served. Come on. He knew that when Daniel was walking from one place to the other, he was singing, this is the day, this is the day that the Lord has made. There was joy. He knew the God that he served so much that the king said, your God. Whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. Notice there's no question mark at the end. Will he deliver you? What's the king saying? An unsaved person who doesn't know God is declaring the fact that God is able to deliver and bring Daniel out of this trip. I want to paraphrase what the king says. Are you ready? There's nothing God cannot do. That's the title of my message today, by the way. There's nothing God cannot do. Come on. There's nothing. Come on, say that with me. Nothing. God cannot do. There is nothing that he can't do in your life. What are you believing for today? What are you hoping for today? What are you asking for today? What is the need in your life? What healing do you need to see take place in your life? What breakthrough? What deliverance do you need? I'm telling you, if an ungodly man, a king could stand up and say, there's nothing that God, your God cannot do. We should be able to declare in this house today that God can heal me, that God can touch me, that God can do infinitely more than I could even imagine or even dream. You see, we still believe that today. We believe that physical, emotional, spiritual, financial, and in relationships, in every area of your life, God can bring healing and set you free. God can deliver you. See, we're not just going to pray for people to be healed from physical needs. We're going to pray for financial miracles. We're going to pray for spiritual miracles. The greatest miracle is the saving of a soul, a life that's given to God because I can go to heaven, cripple on one leg, but I can't go to heaven without Jesus in my heart. Amen. So we're going to pray for every need that God can bring you the help and the comfort and the rest. Verse 17, man, I could preach this message. Then the stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring. A stone was rolled. Sounds like the stone that was rolled over the grave of Jesus, doesn't it? 
Think about that. The stone was rolled. Why? Because they wanted to keep Jesus in that tomb. They didn't want him. He had talked about raising himself from the dead. He talked about coming back to life. They put a stone and they put angels around it. But I want to tell you something. A stone in the front of a tomb could not contain a living God. Come on, it could not contain a living God. It was one who was acting upon what he spoke. It is finished and Jesus was about to take it to the next level. Come on. Daniel's thrown in a stone. It's getting ready to happen. Turn to your neighbor and say, it's getting ready to happen. It's getting ready. Verse 18, now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting and no musicians were brought before him. and no, no sleep or all sleep went from him. He doesn't sleep. He's pacing the floor. 19, then the king arose early in the morning. He went in haste to the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried out with a lamenting voice, a voice of anguish. Oh, Daniel. The king spoke saying, Daniel, servant of the, wow, living gods. Has your God, whom you serve continually, there it is again, has he been able to deliver you from the lions? Then he hears a voice come back. Come on. And it's not a lion roaring and saying, thank you very much for supper. It's a voice that came from the midst of that den. Come on. A voice cried out and said, oh, king, live forever. Can you see the faces of the people standing around? Because the same people who assembled around Daniel house. you got to believe they're waiting around the den of lions because they think their problem is solved. Come on. They think they've handled their business. They think there's no more things to worry about, but watch out. I would have loved to have seen the amazement on their faces. Come on. Come on, aren't you glad that we serve a God that wants to amaze people? That the doctors can say, I don't understand it because your scan says there's cancer, but there's no more tumor in your body. Aren't you glad we serve a God that can amaze people? They don't have the answers, but we have it. Are you ready? Simply one word, God. It's God. Well, what happened? God? What happened, Daniel? God! What's going to happen today in your life? God. God, God, come on, speak that name, Jesus, right now. Come on, Jesus, Jesus, nothing is impossible for my God. Come on, there's nothing God cannot do. Got to hold on today, or I'm going to take off. Verse 22, my God sent his angels and shut the lions' mouths, so they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before your king. I've done no wrong. Sounds a lot like Psalms 91 where it says he'll give his angels charge over you. They'll lift you up in their hands lest you dash your foot against a stone. Whatever you need in your life, God is able to do it. What else did Daniel say? I'm innocent. This was a trap. It's never been about the fact I don't serve you because I do. I'm faithful to that. I'm your hardest worker. I'm everything. And the king says, the king was exceedingly glad and commanded they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken out of the den and no injury whatsoever was found on him. Because what? He had faith in God. He believed in God. He trusted God. Not even a trace. Remember last week? Not even a trace of smoke. Not even a smell of smoke. God miraculously delivers him. There is nothing God cannot do. There's nothing God can't do. I want your faith to be lifted today for expectancy to rise in every one of your situations. Why? Because I believe today that expectancy is the breeding ground for your miracle. Expectancy. There's no situation or circumstance, bondage, addiction, sickness, displacement, separation, 
that God cannot deliver you from. God is able to do what he said he will do. As the musicians begin to make their way back, we're getting ready to end this message so we can begin to pray for you. We are believing today for such miracles to take place in this house. We're believing for the miraculous supernatural to take place in your life. Just before service today, I anointed the hands of each one of these singers and musicians today. They're anointed today to worship before us today. As they begin to play today, I believe healing's going to spring forth also. That God's going to set people free. I'm just believing today that this is your moment of breakthrough. Can you believe with me today that there's nothing God can't do? Can you believe that today? Oh, the enemy wants to set up laws. The enemy wants to do these to intimidate us from not following God. But if we'll follow God, there's nothing God can't do. We would like to thank you for listening to this message today. We pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard, but we also know it will be changed as you put God's Word into effect. At Heart Seas Family Life Church, our doors are always open to help. If you need any more information or just a friend to listen, we are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.